between your two talks, you have a, this sort of. Um, do you see a, a, a closeness or a distance? What makes this sort of Indian Shakespeare's? Uh, could you maybe address how, how do you how do you kind of relate to um, ten millimeter uh, ten millimeter love or uh, Arshinagar? So, is, is, um, wondering how, what's the what's the kind of uniting aspect of of, of, of these. Uh, they are both kind of united and different. Mm. Uh, I mean, that's the kind of whole joy of it, that, you know, different kind of cinemas. But they are united, first of all, in their use of language, isn't it? Because um, it's very urban, Contem the contemporary, contemporary. Mm. and... Um, and yet, kind of, you know, it's it's not not Indian. This is what Coyle was saying that she speaks like when I am in India, and uh, if I'm speaking to someone, kind of, you know, even to Coyle sometimes. Yeah, we'll, we'll be, be slip into. We'll be slipping Hindi and English and kind of, you know, talking like that. And um, neither of it is very kind of, you know, pure as as Bollywood sometimes uses. So I think. Um, with both of these films, what is uniting them is this really urban vocabulary that is being used. And I think that's an influence of multiplexes, because multiplex cinemas, which uh, allow multiple screens, have allowed these movies to be screened, because otherwise you just have one screen and inevitably, you know, the highest grossing Bollywood uh, current mm. flick would be on it. Um, but multiplex audiences are kind of, you know, you can devote a screen to these movies. Yeah. And I think people who are flocking to the multiplexes would be uh, young, urban, uh, middle classes. And this is kind of, you know, a movie that is designed to appeal to their senses. I think more importantly, uh, presently especially, any Shakespearean uh, film in India is talking about Indian issues. You know, Shakespeare is not a cultural icon or something to be revered or held in awe anymore. Mm. Shakespeare is just being used as a template, as Arshinago, as as uh, Sen says, that it's a template. Everyone in India knows Shakespeare. So it's the easiest way to That's get true. your message across. And I, think I mean, Sharad Katari as well, he was saying that, uh, you know, one of the questions uh, he was being asked was, why Shakespeare? And he said, I never began with Shakespeare. I began with wanting to make a movie about these Ramlila actors. Mm -hmm. I began with a desire to make a movie about aphrodisiac sellers in India, which is why, you know, Tenemel Love is their most potent uh, potion. Uh -huh. Um, so he said, I began with those desires and realized, okay, you know, love potions, aphrodisiac sellers. Um, <laughs> well, where have I heard that where before? Where have I heard that before? And he used Shakespeare as a template. So um, they are being kind of, you know, addressing Indian issues. But as the thing is, and kind of global cinema scholars have noticed this before, the more local you go, the more global the issues mm. become. So uh, he's talking about uh, art and money and indie filmmaking, which is a very Indian issue right now, kind of talking about Ramlila troops, talking about this indie film industry which has started, but that is obviously globally applicable. Hmm. Again, with Sen as well, she's talking about kind of, you know, Babri Masjid, and she's talking about the current political climate in India, the factions, Hindu-Muslim rights, but again, this becomes, 
you know, talks to global issues. So in that case, kind of, I think these are the strands that are really uniting all of these Indian Shakespeare's. So this is sort of Shakespeare's is a way of, um, is, is this way of also communicating within India? Is, is it yeah, so sure. it's, it's between Absolutely. different cultures? Yeah, because uh, interestingly, that's what, when I watched Haider, mm. I went in to see Hamlet. I knew nothing about the Kashmir issue, to be perfectly mm. honest. I mean, I lived in Kolkata all my life. Very few people actually realize what happens inside Kashmir. You know, the fact mm. that people in Kashmir don't have cell phones. They, they don't have a cell phone network. People disappear overnight, you know. Mm. This is something that other Indians are not even familiar with. So when Bhardwaj takes Hamlet to the rotten state of Kashmir... It's a revelation to Indians as well because we're like, hold on, this is this is a different angle, and that's why I keep saying it's not a very Bollywood film. It it tackles real issues, very serious issues, and there is song and dance. Don't get me yeah, wrong, yeah. there's always song and dance in there's a Hindi film. There's an amazing grave digger song. Oh, that's my favorite. <laughs> that's possibly the grave highlight. How, how do you? How, this is one of those those things that uh, I, I don't know. This is a kind of cultural thing. As a as a Finn, I, I'm. I don't know if I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant to say inherently suspicious of song and dance routines, but it, <laughs> but it is a, there's I mean from uh, my country who's, who's taking this sort of uh, Argentinian tango and ma- made it into its melancholy uh, kind of dance dance in, in which there's this minimized movement yet very intense uh, connection of not doing anything. So this is this kind of idea where where I come from, and and, and a lot of I have a problem with with all musicals, any of that sort of because it, it, it kind of freaks me <laughs> I, out in a I'm, way. I'm so glad you brought this up because it's my absolute bugbear with Western criticism of Indian yeah. kind of you know uh, films generally. So I'm so glad you brought this up. I'm <laughs> going to be on my soapbox right. <laughs> <laughs> so the thing, first of all, that I really really want to refute is that. Indian films are not musicals. Can mm. we stop saying that? I've already said that. Yes, well, you have. It bears repeating. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to <laughs> kind of bring up a sort of series of, I, I didn't really think. This is because... It's a sore spot with us. Because, <laughs> yes, you know. because, I mean, I think if they are to be likened to anything, mm. I think it should be opera. Right, yeah. Because in opera as well, obviously, you know, when characters burst into song, and I've seen audiences weeping as these kind of, you know, people are crying, and do we do we think that is going to, is real life, do people kind of, you know, when they're crying, burst into songs? They don't. Mm. But the convention is that when words are too kind of hard to express you will express it in poetry you will express it you know with music and i think this is what bollywood films do so that is the convention it is not uh, something kind of you know i mean there are songs in movies admittedly where they would bear no connection with the narrative but usually not so much actually usually they are weaved within the fabric of the movie and very much are uh, operatic in that scale and also it depends on who's watching it Mm. because you know Indians are used to this convention it would be alien for them so it is a perception that you know songs and dances are dismissed because first of all the conventions are different Mm. but also they are very much weaved within the fabric of the movie 
so for example, one of the reviews of Ram Lila, the Bollywood adaptation of Romeo and Juliet, which I absolutely love, um, <laughs> said that it was a lavish affair with songs and dances, but much of Shakespeare's poetry wasn't captured. Well, the poetry was captured in the songs and the dances. Mm. Um, so, for example, there's a song which goes, Lahumu Lagaya, mm. which means uh, blood has been tasted. Um, it kind of say, very much puns on this idea of my desire has risen, mm. blood is flowing through my veins, but also, you know, bloodshed will occur because we have fallen in love. So this kind of poetry emerges in mm. the songs, emerges in the choreography of uh, these kind of sequences. So in that sense, actually, they are very crucial to the poetry um, of, of um, Indian film. But you've raised an important point because... Mm. One of the things I often wonder about global cinema, and I think this is great that, you know, Indian Shakespeare should be presented globally, is who gets to review them and who gets to be the gatekeepers. Okay, because it is one thing to, uh, you know, enjoy and say, oh, we welcome, you know, kind of, you know, Bollywood Shakespeare. But it is another thing that, you know, who is reviewing these, who is being the gatekeepers, and how much cultural acumen is actually required to be able to give a fair evaluation to the film. So if reviewers are not going to go in with this cultural knowledge and are going to go in not with an open mind, but with a mindset saying, oh, you know, frivolous song and dances, or we're not going to interpret it, mm -hmm. then that is a problem. So I think, you know... There's, uh, can I just interrupt here? There's also a problem with uh, monolingual critics, kind mm -hmm. of, like an audience that does not understand the nuances of the language. Yes, subtitles are there for most films. Yeah. But, for example, in Umkara, and this is one of my pet peeves, so this is my soapbox <laughs> here. But, but um, so in Umkara, the subtitle seems to indicate that uh, Emilia, uh, so Iago's wife, is uh, Othello's sister, Omi's sister. That's not true. I mean, it's indicated because the language says that you think of me as a sister. There's a huge difference. So when a Western critic kind of tries to draw some kind of conclusion on the fact that uh, Othello and Iago are related, that's not true. Yeah. They're not, I mean, related at all. So I feel it's very important for people like Varsha, myself, Preeti, Thea, who understand the different nuances of the languages, yeah. who understand the meaning, the, the fact that um, Sen has used the word Rishtedar instead of uh, the Hindi word for cousin, mm -hmm. which is a direct homage to Shakespeare. This is something that only a multilingual critic can probably gauge. Yeah. So and it's I very think, important. And th this happens very much so in songs because that is all about poetry. Yeah. Um, so there it becomes very tricky as well. And, uh, you know, I'm by no means suggesting that, you know, only kind of Indians yeah. should be uh, evaluating these films. But yes, multilingualism is yeah. important and it is important... Uh, or to some kind of background to some the kind culture. Of cultural background and some kind of, kind of familiarity or well-versedness in uh, the film industries themselves because, yeah. you know, you won't be able to see the echoes otherwise. There's a, there's a, I, I was wondering about this um, situation that, that, that it... It turns into kind of lo looking at this these genres and, and the, these sort of ways, or 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 putting it into this sort of box 
uh, you, you kind of I think you get a new type of uh, uh, orientalism here, don't you? Because you get you get people kind of uh, taking this sort of um, aspects of, of, of Bollywood, you know, um, into music videos, say like mm. Beyonce or this sort of thing. So, so this is have this sort of appropriation going on. I mean, do you, do you, how do you how do you feel about this this sort of uh, not not I mean, as we already talked about. Uh, this sort of conflation of all Indian um, yeah. Shakespeare into Bollywood, but but also that there's this sort of uh, Western view, and I think one of these one of these that comes with with this sort of Western view is is particularly uh, in the nineties and the two thousand this sort of hyper or kind of sense of reality mm-hmm. in which um, traditional and, and even tra- West, traditional for Western cultures this uh, or you know. Uh, ways uh, narrative conventions are seen as as um, not true or, or, or the sort of fake. And I, I came across this uh, through Chinese martial arts and, and um, practice in Finland of all places. <laughs> uh, and and when pe- when the movie uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon came out, yes. and you had this sort of people were just. When, when I was teaching it, people came up to me and said, "Oh, well, so you do, do you teach uh, flying then?" As they were <laughs> flying in this movie, and I'm, and, and I, this this is sort of I'm just what I'm trying to get that. What do you guys think? Is about, for me, I think that there's this sort of simplistic uh, view of n- narration that I don't know if there's a, there's kind of a, it mixed into. I mean, one of the reasons why we were so keen to open up the variety of Indian screens and Indian cinemas on offer and the way they're interpreting Shakespeare is precisely that. Because there is a kind of, you know, sometimes when films like that are screened uh, or even stage productions, I have often noticed, would just, you know, present modern India, they would be levelled with the charge of not being authentic enough. (laughs) And you kind of sometimes go and see some of the very traditional Indian performances or what they are billing as Indian traditional performances worldwide and you kind of think that actually I really don't know where this is coming from because this is not the India in which I live anymore. So in that sense it is... um, a throwback to kind of it's very much orient uh, orientalizing. Um, mm. I in this respect, there's a movie called In Othello, um, which is quite good and deals with this aspect. So In Othello is obviously a movie adaptation of Othello. It is set in India, where uh, a group of university students is actually performing Othello. Mm. And what happens is that there's a French director directing them and the movie begins with, which is probably my favourite line and it allows me to swear, so I use it all the time. (laughs) It actually begins with, why the fuck do we have to do Othello in Kathakali? (laughs) Which really kind of, you know, Indian students are questioning, why do we have to do it in Kathakali? Because the Western kind of, you know, French director believes that that's what Indian kind of, you know, is. You have to do it in Kathakali. So uh, one of the advantages of this conference is that there's a fantastic range so that it is very perceptible that, you know, it's not all marigolds and Mm -hmm. songs and dances, although there is that too. We do have a Kathakali Othello screening. We do. We actually do, yes. (laughs) 
Caliato, which will be screened. And yeah. much as kind of, you know, this is valued, there are many, many other types of ways of being Indian, yeah. is, is what I think it exemplifies. So, in a way, are you always implying that Shakespeare allows for a, a, a sort of cosmopolitanism then to kind of come through this? I mean, is that. So it's almost as if then Shakespeare becomes something that, in a way, allows for a different sort of element to come in. Because I think one of the things that I found really interesting about both of your talks is when you were kind of talking about the linguistic kind of complexity. Of yes. It, were you implying that these films have a particular sort of linguistic complexity in terms of the use of different different languages and kind of hybridizing forms? which is distinct from kind of mainstream yeah. kind of Bollywood cinema. Yeah. And is that partly because these films are designed for um, a, a more kind of specialised sure. audience, you know, a kind of, the sort of audience who would perhaps go to art house cinemas in That's the UK? Right. Yeah. right. So, so in a way then that, that Shakespeare then becomes a kind of cosmopolitanizing element within that, is that or is yes, that...? Yes, uh, except that there are also very kind of, you know, regional Shakespeare's mm -hmm. and not cosmopolitan Shakespeare's at all. Um, mm -hmm. So, for example, Omkara, mm -hmm. which is Vishal Bhardwaj's um, take on Othello, uses a very particular North Indian rural dialect. Mm -hmm. um, and he plays with that sort of language. So, um, what we're implying is not that Shakespeare allows for a cosmopolitanism, but Shakespeare is being used as a template for mapping different kinds of Indian identities. Right, right. Um, so it might be cosmopolitan, it might be rural. Mm -hmm. I think Shakespeare does kind of, you know, uh, encourage play with language mm -hmm. um, and hence kind of different types of um, movies emerge. So, but I wouldn't say it's one or the other. So it would kind of, Vishal yes. Bhartwaj takes it very regional. Um, I think Sen has it. done has actually shown the the variety across. Uh, so the way she's used language, you can actually see the class distinction mm -hmm. of of the people. So, like I said, um, so Julie comes from a very cultured background, and her vocabulary reflects that. She's also speaking in this mix of Hindi, Bengali, English. But her vocabulary is higher, so much so that Romeo doesn't understand her in, in one, one part of the film. Uh, because he's uneducated, and there's a part in the film where his father castigates him, saying, you've been in the same fourth year for the last five years, or something like that. So the way Sen has used, and I found this very peculiar, because a peculiar in a good way, because it's very real. I mean, that's the kind of society that I'm used to, where someone's language can tell you about which part of India they come from, uh, what their background is, what their educational background. I don't know about Mumbai, but in Calcutta, there's this particular snobbishness about which school you go to and which college you mm -hmm. go to. And you're, so anyone who's going to, say, a particular first-tier college kind of set will speak in a certain way. And we recognize each other from actually hearing how they talk. So India is very complex in, in terms of language. And that, I find it fascinating that people like Bhardwaj and people like Sen are using that. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's real. It's putting off people in the beginning. It is, yeah. Bhardwaj is... Would you say that Shakespeare is the element which allows them to 
kind of carry out these experiments. Yes, yes. Right, right. That's yeah, exactly that what yes. we're... Yeah, yes. yeah, absolutely. Yes. And I think, you know, perhaps we should make it a little bit more explicit in our papers, uh, because it's a really good point, that um, the challenge of uh, translation uh, actually kind of brings out these linguistic kind of experiments mm -hmm. and enjoyments in all of these filmmakers. They might choose to go regional or cosmopolitan, but they're having fun with the language because they're translating Shakespeare. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that yes. was the point I was saying. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's it, that's it. Yeah. Well, I was, I was wondering uh, about um, the kind of... Because the both of you, in a way, what Coel more addressed the sort of political situation. Uh, and I was, I was wondering about the um, Ramlila troupe, kind of, because Ramlila is, is, is the Hindu, Hindu, tra Hindu yeah. tradition, yeah. isn't it? So I was wondering, is, is this sort of with, you know, Modi, is, is he, is, is this with a sort of uh, conservative Hindu platform, is he, you know, I was wondering, <laughs> would he be kind of looking to have a, a special uh, subsidy for Ramlila um, troops in, in, in the budget or something? No, um, in the sense that this is a little bit pre Kind of, you know, when um, pre-Modi, pre yeah. uh, but at the same time, um, he too, Kataria too, has this talk about religions. Yeah. So, for example, in his paired lovers, um, there is the kind of uh, so basically uh, one of the characters, Shweta, mm. who is the Hermia of the story. Yeah. She is in love with uh, Lysander, who is Peter Pereira, and he's Christian. So in Midsummer Night's Dream, it's never mentioned why one should be preferred over the other, like why is Demetrius preferred by the father mm. than Lysander. But here there are two clear things going on. First of all, that you know, it, in the context of uh, a regular arranged marriage, obviously uh, Shweta's parents, so Hermia's parents, are never going to allow Peter Pereira who is not only Christian, but also a car mechanic. Mm. So it's kind of, you know... Which is worse? Which is worse. <laughs> we wonder. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I actually don't know about that one. Um, so he too says that. And then his um, Roshni, um, who is Titania, and Oberon uh, are actually Muslims. So he has also kind of, you know, been mixing religions and as, uh, talking about it. Although his talk about money is uh, kind of overtakes uh, the talk of religion, which is uh, an undercurrent through the film anyway. Uh, one of the reasons he did not show the entire Ramlila uh, troupe uh, in performance, or not in performance, but at least in kind of, you know, costume, Yeah. Uh, although he had invested money in costumes, uh, is because he obviously, you know, uh, Bottom is mm. frolicking with um, the Titania, Muslim. the Muslim mm. girl, and mm. if you have a costume of a Hindu god, Hanuman, uh. frolicking in the woods with a Muslim, her, uh, Titania, that would be very problematic, and he didn't want his film to get into that. So... I mean, production circumstances actually kind of yeah. were that, you know, religious intolerance um, w dictated kind of scenes in the movie. So is it, do, do, do you think, um, I mean, for both of you, in the sense that, that Shakespeare, in the language and, and, and as, as Keats said, his na negative capability, that, <laughs> that you can't pin him down, 
Uh, do you think that is is that one of the reasons why Shakespeare is 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 a kind of fruitful uh, arena for discussing uh, identity and tensions between identity? Because it, it's as as a massive country as India is. I mean, there's there's so many different things happening, and and you know even from where I come from, which is you know a minuscule country compared to that, we still have these sort of tensions. Uh, cultural tensions, which are trying to be paved over by by a, a kind of nationalism, in a way. Did you think that Shakespeare, in, in the sort of Shakespeare's, in in a way that that sort of that you can't tie him down is proves to be a helpful well, kind of. Uh, Shakespeare is a matter of tension still in India. Yeah. In the sense that Shakespeare is still part of the compulsory ed- English education uh, syllabus in in. So if you're studying a bachelor's in English, you have to go through Shakespeare. Yeah. It's, it's like... The schools have stopped making Shakespeare compulsory for the last three years, four years. Just when right. I started my PhD. That right. There was a you know, discussion going on about stopping Shakespeare as, uh, as a compulsory part of school education. Um, so in order to explain this, I need to explain the, the roots of Shakespeare in India. Yeah. So we've got the Bollywood Shakespeare, which is basically the Parsi theatre tradition, yeah. which took Shakespeare as fodder for stories. So they took devices, they took themes, they didn't mm. adapt, a, adapt a whole play. They usually changed the tragedies into happy endings, yeah. for instance, very tatification of, of uh, say, Romeo and Juliet or Hamlet. or So... That's the Bollywood, so that's West India, which yeah. used Shakespeare purely for entertainment. And then you come to East India, so Calcutta, which mm. was a very strong British influence. Knowing English, being able to perform in you know, Shakespeare. I mean, I remember my father just quoting passages from Julius Caesar randomly <laughs> to express himself about something. <laughs> you know, it, it, was, it was a mark of education that you come from a background where you know Shakespeare. Yeah. It is still a mark of um, class. Yeah. So English education being very important in India. So you come from a certain class, therefore mm. you know Shakespeare. So there is tension in India right now, even, even now, about what Shakespeare represents. Mm. I personally think it's moving away from the post-colonial kind of feeling for the, that angst of uh, whether to mimic Shakespeare or to Indianize Shakespeare. Yeah. Um, I, I think, think it's it becoming is moving more... away, absolutely. But what I think is because, I mean, there are still discussions about, mm. you know, why Shakespeare on the syllabus? Why do we have to study mm. Shakespeare? Mm. And as you say, knowing Shakespeare is... Um, it's as if, you know, why are you studying English literature and Shakespeare? <laughs> oh, okay, so, and um, especially in Britain and so on. So there's still this, nobody really means it, but there's still kind of, you know, tensions and jibes that you will hear, yeah. and knowing Shakespeare is something kind of, you know... Um, but el- that's also... Just, but, uh, just yeah, kind of like, yeah. uh, but I think... Um, 
we are moving away from post-colonial uh, sort of responses to it, but I think a part of why Shakespeare is being used mm. in this manner to negotiate between the different identities of being Indian is precisely that. Because mm. one of the kind of things is asserting your own identity, saying that actually we're not bothered about Shakespeare's language. What we're going to do is use our own idioms, <laughs> use our own regional languages. Yeah. So I think it is not aggressively post-colonial, but part of the post-colonial program saying, oh, well, you know, I think we'll perform Shakespeare in our language then. Yeah. Um, or even kind of, you know, using things like Ram Leela, mm. which are the indigenous theatre forms which died down uh, because of emulation of Western theatre forms. So in a very funny irony and in a very cheeky post-colonial move, now Shakespeare is being used to as a vehicle for promoting yeah. these yeah. kinds of uh, theatrical forms. So it's, it's natural that Shakespeare would be used for talking about identity politics yeah. because, you know, the, we are talking about Shakespeare in terms of identity politics. Yeah. But that's anyway. the, what I was trying to say. Uh, identity politics is also very uh, difficult in India because, like, in Calcutta, knowing Shakespeare is actually a good thing. But if yeah. you go to, say, Bombay or Delhi... If you it's say, snobbish, yeah, you know. if you say that I know Shakespeare or I'm studying Shakespeare, they'd go like, okay, so are you trying to show off? Yeah, yeah. You know, so the 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 reverence for Shakespeare can change from like if you go to Kerala, yeah. for example, uh, Malayali language reveres Shakespeare. It's like people still have traditional English performances of Shakespeare, right. and they want it authentic in the. <laughs> you know, 18th century style. They're very serious about their Shakespeare. So identity becomes an issue every state you go to in India and how, yeah. sh how people relate to Shakespeare is also very interesting when you go to the different parts of India. So there's, there's a bit kind of, besides those, uh, those kind of geographical differences and religious differences, you also see that, that again touched upon is, is the class uh, distinction as well. Which, uh, uh, particularly in the um, ten, ten, ten million lobby, yeah. that that came out. Uh, I, I don't. Yeah, it, it, there's it, class distinctions in in yeah. this film well, as well. That's one of those um, one one of these the people who who really don't know much about India, but the, the sort of very uh, typical uh, tidbit that they might get is, is usually do with the caste system and, and and this this sort of. Uh, I mean, how do you, uh, how are these things? Addressed in a way, how does class figure in into into the sort of besides it being you know uh, geographical areas? But is, is there sort of some sort of Indian aspect about class there? Any kind of well, Arshinagur addresses it because the slum dwellers, obviously, mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. at the bottom of the rung there, and uh, Sabir Khan, Juliet's uh, father, is a very powerful businessman yeah. with links to politicians. Um, so. The fact that in India we have this uh, problem of the haves and have-nots, mm. and it's the caste system is also important when you think of the class system. The caste system is also important, but I think both these films focus on the class system in yeah. a way of some people have money, some don't. How are the people with money using the people without money, and you know, mm. that's the the way yeah, that the and the freedom to kind of you know artistic freedom is not available if you don't have money yeah. Yeah. or the fact that you know you are not free to love a car mechanic 
is is uh, yeah. very much kind of a persi- persistent theme. And money enters the discourse of the film really, you know, first beat, because uh, the car mechanic, Peter Pereira's uh, friend, says to him that, you know, money is a luxury. If you don't have money, you mm-hmm. can't basically, you know, think that love is available to you. Um, so these films, therefore, kind of, you know, negotiate a boundary. But again, like, Shakespeare is being used for all of this identity politics. One, because Shakespeare is taught in school, so many people would be exposed to Shakespeare's stories and templates. So, of course, he becomes a source of inspiration. But the other is that, you know, obviously, uh, the educated, the people who would be educated in English Hmm. medium schools would have access to Shakespeare. So Shakespeare is part of identity politics, both in terms of class and in terms of kind of, you know, um, uh, identity according to region. So it is natural that his plays would be used for these kind of, you know, negotiating these identities. There's a very very interesting scene in Arshinogur there when the slum dwellers uh, break the fourth wall and kind of complain about people with black money. Yeah. people who are, which is probably uh, something with the Panama Papers just coming out, which yeah. is quite relevant. But people with black money working with politicians to basically try to obliterate the slum dwellers, um, which is an interesting kind of um, commentary when you think about the fact that I was watching the film at a monthly plex. Mm. The, the Khans and the Mithras are trying to destroy the slum in order to build a multiplex. You know, so there's this, it, it, it almost makes the audience complicit in this whole cycle. Right, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's quite an interesting scene there. So, uh, because I was sitting there thinking that, you know, who knows, maybe this, the multiplex that I'm in is probably also come out of the same black money or businessmen who've obliterated a slum. And similarly with Tenemala, we're there watching a movie in a multiplex, not at a Ram Leela <laughs> international yeah. performance. So it, it kind of, you know, um, makes you um, complicit in, uh, you know, forcing the decline of these things, which I think is a, a brilliant technique and Shakespeare used it himself, making you complicit in, uh, you know, Macbeth going and mur- murdering Duncan. He says, is this a dagger I see before me? And suddenly all of us see that dagger and want mm. him to go and murder. So I think this is also a very kind of, you know, meta-theatrical Shakespeare technique of involving the audience. Um, um, just because I think uh, we're, we're, we're getting, we're, yes. we're, we're getting the answers. But very qu- a very quick question. I was wondering, um, kind of reactions... To because uh, particularly about the um, Ashinaga is that uh, the Romeo uh, Ron, Rono? Rono. Rono Rono is is thirty and and Julie Julia is half his age yeah and I was wondering this sort of tension uh, and particularly addressing these issues of women uh, in, in in modern India and how. I mean, a very, very quick and very small question oh, yeah, to do. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. An entire role of women in, in, in the world. Yeah, this is, it would like in a minute, a minute maybe. maybe no. Well, uh, Sen, had, <laughs> Sen had a very uh, practical reason for casting in this way because I, yeah. I had a problem with her casting. So I kind of addressed that. Her thinking was that she always thought of Romeo as an as a womanizer, as a lech, as someone who thinks of taking advantage of Juliet but then actually falls in love when he comes face to face with Juliet's devotion. 
because mm. even if you read Shakespeare, it's Juliet's devotion that actually marks inspires the, yeah. Romeo's love. Yeah. yeah. So it's Juliet's devotion, and she thought that if it was a young boy of fifteen, it wouldn't make that impact. It wouldn't make it seem that you know the importance of of the fact that two people can meet and change each other completely. So she wanted it to be an older Romeo, someone who's seen the world a little, someone who's seen women a little, <laughs> you know, and therefore gets impacted by this, uh, you know, the, the purity of the love. Yeah. So she had a very practical reason for it. Now, would you want to take I on just, the modern? <laughs> I just, yeah, yeah, I just want to kind of say about uh, women in Shakespeare films, uh, or in Omkara yeah. especially, women take on a very central role. So I won't give the ending away, but it's changed. And it's changed so that women become very powerful agents in the story, more so than Shakespeare's plays. Do you, do you see kind of that this is a way of, of uh, in a way, as we actually spoke before, not, not, not just um, the filmmakers, but even you, what you're talking, you're kind of yeah. you know, taking this issue as you said, uh, for yourself and, you know, changing the world in, in, in sure, that Sure, but, you know, not enough. Yeah. The, yes, there are powerful characters in Omkara. Yes, you know, Tabu uh, is probably the best cinematic Gertrude I have seen yeah. ever. Mm. And I see Hamlet a lot because it's my favourite play. Um, so all of these kind of powerful roles for women yeah. exist. and But still, like, look at it. Kind of, you know, we're inviting... Uh, a, a, a team of um, Indian Shakespeare's yeah. uh, sort of, and they're all, and they're all men yeah. in a project organized all by women. They are all men, and it's not like we don't respect them, of course. But it would be great if we had an equivalent women team to choose yeah. from. There aren't enough. Um, Aparna Sen stands kind of, you know, alone in this, and I think. Uh, the new winner um, is of uh, the microwave competition who is making the hungry yeah. uh, is a woman, so that's great. And again, I want to see how she deals with Lavinia's rape in the aftermath of mm. the Delhi rape uh, uh, new story that shook the world. Um, so, you know, there aren't, there are strong women characters, but yeah. I would argue that there aren't still uh, enough women in Shakespeare's. Uh, India or yeah. India as Shakespeare. <laughs> well, here's, here's, here's hope that, that this is that you know you're playing a, a central role, and hopefully the next generations will be will be a different one. And that is our hope. Yes. And um, well, but um, uh, um, we're getting tired. I think this is maybe a good time okay. time to call, call an end to this. Yes. Thank you very much for for coming. Thank you. And, um, Thanks uh, for having us. And, yeah. and just to remind ev everyone, uh, go check out uh, www.indianshakespeare'sonscreen.com. Also uh, on Facebook, uh, Shakespeare and Bollywood, and Twitter uh, at Shaxbolly uh, with an X. Uh, and um, I, I, our, our, you can find out more information about our lovely speakers and that uh, interesting uh, project that they're working on and will be continue working on after, after the, uh, the conference. Right. Yep. But go get your tickets to the conference and come see those fantastic films. Uh, thank you very much thank for coming. You. I hope we have you guys again. Thanks. Thank, thank you. you.